Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wild Enrichment Podcast, a podcast about zoos, aquariums, animal enrichment, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kyle Benton-Jones, zookeeper, animal lover, enrichment builder, and creator of wildenrichment.com. This is the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Wild Enrichment Podcast, and this is episode 17. And today we're going to be talking about how to establish a baseline for an enrichment program and what that even means and what that process looks like. And again, we're joined by Ben Martin. I thought he was going to leave me (laughs) out this time. (laughs) No, you couldn't just butt in. Everyone would get confused. I thought we'd established our baseline. This is how the podcast is is supposed to go. I I messed up the baseline. Um, (laughs) But again, we are recording this uh, for YouTube. So if you want to watch this episode as opposed to listen to us, if you want to see Ben's beautiful face as opposed to just my beautiful voice, uh, tune in on YouTube and you can uh, see see all of that. You You can get the whole sensory experience. Uh, you can so, see what Kyle's reading. I mean, there's some, there some books. <laughs> half of them are facing this way. The other half are facing. All that Twilight right series there. is right in <laughs> It's It's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you would like to watch, as a po- we also do have a few of the past podcasts that we've done. Um, I think I have like three with the two yeah, of we, us. You know, on... The first introduction was my browse uh, podcast. Yeah, I don't there. think that one was filmed, though. So I'm no, talking about YouTube. Filmed. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I think we have three, three so far. I think there's three that are on YouTube because mm-hmm. there's a film like I recorded the virtual. Did I? You would have got it. You, I told you that we were filming the virtual. Yeah, I was it, wondering it's why a lot you kept more your nose. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why I was picking my nose either because you didn't tell me up front. <laughs> uh, there was also the last one that we filmed. Uh, ben had the sun in his eyes the entire time, and he was oh, just rotating we, around. We, we filmed at exactly the time that <laughs> the sun was going just, down, yeah. where I was constantly getting... There was a mirror on my wall that was slowly hitting my eyes every time I moved one inch over. Yeah. It would blind me. And so you guys if, got to watch that. Yeah, if you want to hear that, that, if you want to see that, that is on uh, YouTube as well. These are a little bit crispier because we're not doing it virtual. We are uh, together we're in once real again life. Uh, in my kitchen. So... Uh, yeah. Turns out that Meta is not going to take over our lives quite yet. <laughs> exactly. All exactly. that virtual, the new Facebook, if you're yeah, not keeping up with the news, Facebook changes. <laughs> we don't have a news section yet in this podcast. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. So, uh, yeah. Keep it talking. So, enjoy, enjoy uh, the YouTube and this podcast. So, um, yeah. In the last uh, podcast, we talked about, you know, getting your team on board uh, with the enrichment program. Uh, before that, we talked about critical thinking. Uh, everything sort of comes together, and we refer to a lot of the podcasts. So if you haven't listened to other podcasts, uh, you might want to check out a few of those. There's a few. Uh, not all of them are super relevant to everything we're going to be talking about, but there are a couple of cornerstone ones that you uh, should check out. And you well, and, and also, let's keep in mind, like we are, we're not exactly people that write down everything we're going to say. This is nope. off-the-cuff, contrary it to is. popular belief. Yep. And my my spastic personality and my ability to jump from topic to topic seemingly yeah. without connection yeah. is quite prevalent in some yeah. of these podcasts. And so. we write down 10 things to talk about and then we only talk about one. You patted so. that list. I tried to get them to write down so, five and it didn't work. Yeah, so we're talking about almost nothing on our list. So uh, we are going to, however, we are going to talk about establishing the baseline because that's the title of the, this podcast. And... What does establishing a baseline even really mean and why should you do it? So uh, with uh, what I like to think about with establishing a baseline is 
you know, in general terms is getting an idea of what your animal that you're working with is actually doing in, in the course of its day. And it doesn't necessarily need to be super complicated, but I find uh, a lot of people um, will come with enrichment uh, problems and will want to be revamping their enrichment program. But, you know, as we talked about in the last podcast uh, with evaluation, um, you know, and goal setting uh, being one of the most important factors with enrichment programs, uh, how do you know, you know, what goals to set if you don't even know what the animal you're trying to make these goals for are act is actually doing all day. Yeah. You know, so well, getting... And this is like, I'm just going to go off topic. A little yeah, bit. yeah, go in. But the, yeah. Uh, this is the classic, you know, Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, kind of like coked out like crazy with the, all the red lines on the board. Oh, yeah, you can yeah. go absolutely insane mm -hmm. with a lot of these establishing baselines protocols where like some people go like every minute, every 10 minutes, every 15, you know, Truthfully, we're only there for eight to 10 hours a day. That That is the period where you're going to be monitoring, mostly because you actually exist in the world that the animal's in. But, you know, like, I think you've got trail cameras and stuff. Well, and that's, and that's what I'm, that's oh, sort I'm of what I'm down. talking about here <laughs> with the whole uh, baseline thing is, is, you know, you are seeing this animal how many times through the day and you're there eight hours a day or more, but you're not looking at one animal generally for the entire time. Oh yeah. So what and, a zoo to be in. <laughs> would animal. That would be a terrible job. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're only looking at it for a very small amount of the time and you're only servicing that exhibit for a small amount of time so you really have no idea what that animal's doing for the entire for the entire day what's it doing overnight what's it doing in the afternoon what's it doing when you leave the morning yeah so these animals are you know they're doing stuff all day and all night and you really don't have an idea of what they're actually uh you know doing and what what their activities are and and the reason why this is important is you know establishing this baseline is you know you could you could have the goal of say promoting this specific natural behavior that you aren't necessarily seeing in this animal only well, to not seeing it in your 10 hours not seeing it in your 10 hours but you're only to find out that this animal is spending the entire night pacing this exhibit so you know your or, goal or even better like they're doing that natural behavior just you know the hour after you've been trying to force Absolutely. them to do it all day that, that's rich that's best case scenario but you could be missing the whole big picture so you know stepping back and actually getting an idea of what the animal is sp spending its day and its night uh doing is is really you know should be uh like a fundamental thing when you're you know starting this goal setting process and there doesn't necessarily need to be uh, this sort of prompt to do this like you could do this at any time in your enrichment uh, like in the general care of the animal well, and even like this doesn't necessarily need to be an actionable item either that's yeah. what a lot of people get kind of bogged down I think with with these behavioral observations and really you know the ethograms of it all like trying yeah. to look at time budget analysis they can go down a rabbit hole really quickly and then suddenly there's this feeling of like obligation to do something with it but half the battle is just getting it done so that you have an awareness of what you might not be aware of previously, right? Yeah. Like yeah. being able to say, you know what? I noticed my pack of Arctic wolves. They hike that fence line for 12 hours overnight and then they fall asleep when I show up. And I've always wondered why they're not engaged in the enrichment I'm throwing down during yeah. my eight hour day. And it turns out that all night they're doing stuff. Yeah. 
And I think, uh, you know, trying to minute by minute or hour by hour figuring out what the animal is doing is not necessarily what we're saying here. What we're saying is, you know, get an idea of what the animal is actually doing for a period of time. You know, is it is it spending... 50% of its day sleeping. Is that what you want? Is that good? Is that bad? Is it spending the other 50% pacing, you know, mm -hmm. or, or is it doing a stereotypic behavior that you don't want? You know, getting those sort of a well, few things and measuring connecting them. it even yeah. with your day yeah, and saying, well, I know my routine is that at 1030, I have a keeper talk, 1230, I have a keeper talk. The anticipatory behavior, how long does that go on for? Is it an hour? Is it two hours? Is their whole day based around me coming at these two times? Is it only five minutes? Like what What yeah. am I not seeing that the public will be seeing and that the animal is engaging in that I can find ways to kind of help with? Yeah, and, and I mean, you see it sometimes when you come to the – uh, the facility that you work at in like civilian clothing, not wearing your uniform. And you're like, oh, wow, this is how this animal react like yeah, every day. Every this is day. What it does. It's crazy. You know, that that shouldn't be something that happens with an animal that you're, uh, you know, working with every day because you should try to be getting an idea of, you know, what this animal is doing. And for a lot of people, you know, uh, getting some big fancy f surveillance system that you can review the footage on every day is is definitely something that is nice to have and that is very useful. But the baseline that's at your disposal is coming to your zoo on your day off, like we just talked about. But making sure you have, you know, like do secret shopper style, put sunglasses <laughs> on, make sure the animal that's, doesn't really. That's recognize true. That you. is a strategy. And like. That's it's such a great way to do it. Say, you know, I know the schedule. I am now like I'm an internal person looking from the outside in mm -hmm. and the, the animal's not looking for you. They don't know yeah. you're there. I, I think in the ideal situation, uh, you know, a surveillance 24 hour surveillance on uh, an exhibit is the the best the best situation because you can make that part of your routine, you know, scanning through the previous night or you know, it's daunting when you've never done it before because then you have two years of footage and that you're never going to, you know, you're not going to go through that. But, mm -hmm. you know, starting just scanning through the night before on fast forward takes you five minutes. You you can get a pretty good idea of what the animal's doing. Is it sleeping? Is it moving around? Is it ex exhibit? What parts of the exhibit is well, it using? Even having a motion activated camera. So you say, yeah, I have it out on the exhibit. You know, they have 24 hour access. I want to see if they come out at certain times and those blips. Yeah, it takes you no time at all to peruse through the five blips a night or whatever. Yeah, but if, if you have eight hours of footage, you go, oh, I don't need to watch it all. I can kind of peruse through if I want. But I now know that they were actively on camera all night if I can see them walking around. And you start getting this time budget of, you know, active exploration is even just a very generic term. So it doesn't matter if they're, well, they were playing with the ball at 2.45 a.m. And then they went and had a drink of water at 2.48 a.m. Yeah. You say it's a, it's they were actively yeah. engaged in walking yeah. around for this many hours mm -hmm. or this many minutes. Yeah. And that helps you. And and I think, you know, yeah. And if and as you mentioned, if you don't have this fancy surveillance system, the next easiest thing is setting up a trail camera or a, like a trap camera, whatever you uh, want to call it uh, in and you, you feel like the most used part of the exhibit, the most useful part or setting up multiple, uh, you know, you, they're very inexpensive and they're exceedingly useful for, um, you know, the areas that, that might not have this 24 hour surveillance. Um, you know, obviously the next best thing is, uh, 
during the day having a keeper watching them all day or a volunteer watching them all day, but that's not necessarily realistic. So surveillance is definitely something you want to have. And it's evidence that, you know, in the last podcast, we were just talking about how to get your team on board with sort of interpretation and uh, different interpretations of the same thing. So having that, it, you know, you could put one of your teammates on uh, observing an animal, but how are how are their biases coming into uh, effect uh, with you know their observations? Are they observing things correctly? Stuff like that is is very important, and that's something that you know when you have the actual footage and this surveillance. Uh, the, the surveillance systems at your disposal, you can, you know, show this footage to multiple people or you can, um, you know, have these behaviors highlighted and what you're actually looking for, what success looks like on video uh, that you can present to your team and uh, get everybody on board. So that sort of ties into the last podcast that we did. So if you so, haven't listened to that, that yeah, that's a good one. Episode it's quality. Yes, Nothing but quality. Good podcast. Um, I will say like for this kind of thing, like if, if you're looking at a generic day to day, like the other thing you can do is factored into your routine in the day, you know, two or three 15 minute observations at critical periods in your day doesn't necessarily take up a huge amount of time, you know, say two of them, 15 minutes at two different times in the day, say they're random, just pick them at random at the beginning of the day, being able to put that time in and watching and observing those discrete units of time can actually help you get at least an insight into how your animal's engaging in their environment. And if you can do that across the board with your team and have very discrete pieces of paper that say, how many times were they like, I know my suite of behaviors because you know we may not be around our animal all day, but we do see a lot of the behaviors that mm -hmm. they're gonna throw down. Being able to say, I want napping down, I want running, playing with the ball down, I want jumping, you know, I want swimming. Yeah. Having those discrete units, you could give that piece of paper to anyone, and at least if they're doing check marks and the number of times they're doing it within that span, that starts giving you that suite that gives you a, almost a percentage. That's that ethogram I just talked about of like, well, they spend you know those random 15-minute observations. I did it for a month, and it turns out they have like 60% swimming time or whatever. Yeah, that gives you it. It takes very little, and then once you get that buildup of information, you can do a lot with it. And so. At that period of time, that's like the next step. You know, we're we're starting to we've established our baseline. Now we can start playing with what's going on with the animal and adding enrichment, and then keeping up with those established baseline values and matching it up with what we do before and after. Yeah, and and uh, this also um, brings us into a sort of uh, proactive zookeeping as opposed to a reactive zookeeping. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that. But you know, um, when to schedule these sort of um, baseline uh, sort of audits and these program audits is not necessarily you know something that you have to do often or being or have uh, you know to be prompted to do like these are something this is something that you can do at any time if you're listening to this right now you know take a step back figure out what your do you know what your animal is doing 24 hours a day you, you could be watching you your dog don't. right now at yeah. home while you're listening to our podcast yeah and seeing a behavioral kind of mm -hmm. discrete unit there yeah so, so not necessarily, there, there shouldn't necessarily be a prompt for this because if you are observing something like a stereotypic behavior or a negative behavior, uh, you know, that's, that's a little bit too late. You want to be, you know, uh, before you, you don't want to be reactive. You want to be proactive to these things. So, so this is kind of the benefit. Like we talk about in our last podcast, it was kind of getting your team on board to start these enrichment programs or in starting kind of updating certain things. 
these kind of establishing baselines values and the ethograms and making those up and understanding your time budgets, that kind of stuff, you know, it, it may be a little more time intensive when you start something new. So say you have like barely any, any program going on at all. You've got some enrichments you're playing around with, but there's not a lot that you really know about your animal. You're new to the area, you know, or say you're a brand new facility and there's nothing going on yet. You don't know your animal at all. You can do a pretty intensive span and then stop and then Every now and again, you just schedule a little observation and start keeping a log of what's going on. And that's gonna benefit you immensely with those small budgeted times. Like even once a month you go out, you look, do your 15 minute observation just to confirm that everything is still status quo or that any of your changes haven't gone the exact opposite way you intended. That's part of a healthy program is just making sure that you're constantly adding observations into your day to day. And, and maybe having those dedicated moments to just fall back on where they're written down. The whole team can look at them. The whole team has an understanding of what they are looking for and what yeah. they aren't. And I feel like, you know, this, uh, you know, we're talking about the sort of macro, the big picture uh, sort of enrichment program. But when you're doing these sort of observations uh, often enough, it really allows you to control like the sort of micro, you know, what this animal's doing and what you actually want it to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, if you see... Uh, if this if this animal that you're working with is prone to a stereotypic behavior and you see it, you know, waking up in the middle of the day, it starts to get restless. That's some, that's where you need to jump in and provide it with enrichment. That's when you need to shift them up. That's when you need to have you know, a team move. meeting. communicate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, having these uh, sort of um, periods in your day where you're actually observing the animal uh, throughout the day and actually getting an idea and having this baseline to fall back on really allows you to control what you want to see and really what you want the animal to be doing uh, at any time. You know, if you, as I was saying, you know, if it's getting restless, you feel like these are the sort of triggers for this stereotypic activity, jump in with a training session. You, you, you're able to do that. You're not just helpless to watch these things sort of develop. Yeah. So. I think one of my favorite analogies for this kind of stuff is that the boat is always moving, but the rudder is a pretty critical component of that. And this is what mm. what a good baseline does for you is it allows you to steer in the direction you actually want to go. And because you know, the boat is always moving, the the lifespan of our animals, our day to day is always moving forward. You need to have a direction and this really helps us do that yeah yeah so you know before you're setting your goals for your enrichment program and uh you know sitting down as your team and getting everybody on the same page uh the first step uh if you haven't already done it should be establishing that baseline um, or if you just feel like you're if you're getting bored of your enrichment program i guarantee the animal that you're working with is getting bored of it too so maybe that's a good time to step back and figure out what they're doing and i day. actually would argue that even before that it's kind of nice every now and again like for me especially like i found that i write down everything it's, it's it's a problem but i like to write down kind of even my my previous existing expectations or maybe my broad generalizations of what i think my animal is doing and then this really helps to put that baseline in that really helps challenge that assumption that you've made that yeah. you know what's going on in the day yeah. because you're probably going to find some surprising things. Yeah. And it will challenge what you think about your animal and how they're using their day already. So it's it's really nice, I think, right at the beginning to write down what you think they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of the time when you hear uh, 
uh, zookeepers talking, they, they will often be uh, communicating in these sort of definitive words like this animal never blank or I've never yeah. like I've never seen them use that. Yeah. And, and it's like, do you actually know that for certain or are you just saying that because, you know, of stuff we've talked about in the previous podcast, you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, we really think this is something that's very critical and something that should be, you know, step one uh, at, at all times and something that you can be doing, you know, twice a year or quarterly or something like that. Mm-hmm. A quarterly enrichment audit, that sounds professional. So oh, do that. yeah, that's, that's nothing but the best. <laughs> but, but it is also like <clears throat> at the end of the day, it is helping yourself, your future self. It is guiding and dictating what you need to focus on for your foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And really making sure that you're taking care of your animal to the best of your abilities. Because we, we all know this field has an abundance of passion. I almost said abundance of caution, which is really, <laughs> is really killing me. The pandemic has really sunk into my subconscious. But uh, an abundance of passion yeah. is, is prevalent in this field. So it's not like anyone doesn't have a little bit of passion to spare coming into this field. Knowing which direction to put that so it's actually constructive to your day-to-day is critical. We've, all, we've talked in previous podcasts about you know, your time budgets and, you know, your coworkers and what, what their perceptions of their day might be. And it's really important to even take that moment and just challenge those preconceived notions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, what sort of biases, you know, it's very easy to understand what your teammates biases are, but, yeah, but you know, your own. figuring out your own biases. Now that's, uh, that's it, interesting. It's important for those YouTubers. It's important to have a friend like Kyle who will point out those, <laughs> those biases that I may be hiding even from myself. Yeah, absolutely. Right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, well, we had some uh, audience questions um, that were from Instagram. Uh, truth be told, I cannot remember the actual wording. Instagram does this thing where like it's a it's a you put it in your story, and then I had other stories the that point came is up, that and it, they got erased. <laughs> so I have the idea of what the questions were, but I apologize if they're your questions, and I've and I haven't got it right because of the wording. Um, so so we, the important point is to, to message wild enrichment privately in a yeah, permanent message that, that form is, that would honestly that will be not disappear in the in the story I, I meant to save them but i didn't so um so one of the ones that i get all the time uh that i figure we would talk about is you know what do you do when an animal just doesn't interact with uh any enrichment especially enrichment that it's supposed to interact with quote unquote uh so um that's why I'm talking about it in this podcast is the first step should be to establish a baseline. Like, how do you know, do you know it's not actually interacting with this enrichment just because you come in the next day and the and the, the box is still sitting perfect and un, uh, unblemished. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, do you know that that animal wasn't being enriched from it? Because, you know, maybe if you watched the overnight trail cam footage, you'd, you'd realize that, you know, the animal was, uh, you know, rubbing on everywhere that you, that you, the box was sitting or maybe it moved, maybe it played with the box and put it right back. But devil's advocate, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it knocked it all the way around the exhibit and then it fell right back where it started. It could have. You don't know. Right. Yeah. On the other side of things too, like it might genuinely not have ever touched that box. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. I can't tell you like, and this is again, one of those stupid like tropes right i can't tell you how many times i've seen an an animal that i've worked with where i've put enrichment for five days straight that's the exact same trying something Mm -hmm. new hoping they'll engage and they aren't engaging 
on day six because it's been in the exhibit for a week now and they've kind of got their smell yeah. on it or whatever. Suddenly, it's the best thing in the world. It's it's Absolutely. the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, and having that uh, surveillance and that uh, sort of um, you know baseline, mm-hmm. it, it can kind of go hand in hand with this because you know like you wouldn't know that it's it's progressive maybe you have a really uh you know skittish animal and you've put this enrichment item in it smells and like you for, yeah first day it's it's you know to keeping a real wide berth second day it's getting closer third day it smells it fourth mm-hmm. day it's actually interacting with it and you wouldn't actually know because you'd probably just pull it out and be like well that's a gonna chalk that up as a zero on the yeah. enrichment scale you know? and and how fantastic though to <clears throat> If you're able to get this information by actually establishing your baseline of an animal engaging in enrichment and the way that they engage in it over time, that's a fantastic thing to have because from here on out, you have a really good kind of line. It's not like, oh, this animal never uses this enrichment. You can say, I actually did a pretty in-depth kind of look at this. It takes about five days for this animal to get engaged mm-hmm. in new enrichment we're going to always make a point like it's in the protocols now our team understands five days is a minimum requirement to expose them to new enrichment before we start pulling it you know don't just do the one and done strategy and say well you know it's i've tried everything under the sun and every one day i do it it didn't work Mm -hmm. you kind of create this this system for yourself where you start actually effectively managing your enrichment and effectively using the tools at your disposal yeah and i feel uh I feel like that's super important because uh, some animals like to be enriched in in private. You know, I've I've worked with animals that you what watch, a line. You watch the you watch the uh, the the footage and you see them interacting with it, but you have never ever seen them interact. Well, and with they anything. might be self conscious. I, I can't tell you like how many times you see yeah. it. like a keeper walks by and yeah. every animal will completely stop the behavior and focus on the yeah. keeper. Because mm-hmm. that that's the that's an enrichment unto itself is that yeah. keeper connection, right? Yeah, there's so many but other other factors that you're just not you're not considering. So establishing a baseline should always be your first step when you're you know addressing this animal that doesn't interact with any enrichment. Well, and I'll say in, in like this is just how my brain works for a lot of this. If you're doing enrichment with an animal, say you you know the animal pretty well, you've got a baseline going and they really don't do much. I'm thinking like crocodilians or something, right? Like something that's got a very low kind of movement factor going on already. A lot of this becomes taking a step back, starting to create these discrete variables for yourself, almost like a checklist, you know, look to podcast 16 for that. uh, And we'll talk about that. But uh, going through and saying, okay, like this animal I've got a natural history to them. I know that their time budgets generally in the wild are X, right? Mm-hmm. So that starts to get your expectations in. My next step is then looking at natural behaviors that I want to kind of proliferate within my, my concrete jungle world here, right? I want to start looking at those and kind of piecing them together. What are my goals? Like yeah. we talked about in the last podcast. Then you start readdressing the enrichment that's obviously like that's not being used. And you can say, okay, well, where is the disconnect here? what can I do that makes this more enticing? Maybe I need to rub meat on the box to make the animal more engaged or is there like a certain cologne or something that they're really Mm -hmm. engaged with that we already have in our collection of enrichment items? And how can we combine these with new items to really peak engagement, start them novelty or at least have the familiarity Mm -hmm. mixed with novelty? Yeah. And then suddenly you can kind of piece that away, right? Yeah. You take that piece away and the enrichment stands on its own now. Yeah. And that, and, uh, you know, uh, one of the other questions I got, which is essentially, 
one of the same questions is you, I get a lot of questions about birds of prey. Everybody, oh, my, you know, birds my of favorite prey, thing. <laughs> birds of prey, you know, they're one of those animals that a lot of the time they just don't interact with any enrichment, quote unquote. Like, you yeah, know, it's very it's, hard to get a, to get a rise they, out of a bird of prey. They do their thousand yard stare to the east and then they look to the left and do a thousand yard stare to the west. And yes. And, and, and I repeat. think, uh, you know, and this sort of brings me into the next point of, you know, you've established your baseline. You know what the animal's doing. The next step should be baby steps you know because a lot of the time you know you're giving this animal that historically might have never got enrichment especially birds of prey like yeah. a lot of a lot of them are because not getting they have historic attitudes like me and <laughs> exactly uh you know so check myself <laughs> so getting so starting with those baby steps this is an animal that's never got enrichment that is you know uh, they're typically pretty standoffish they're not something that's just going to dive in and start ripping apart a box or something like that so you know it could be as silly as instead of you know putting this mouse that you're going to give it on a perch you put a leaf on top of the mouse like because <laughs> yeah. that could be because instead of you know uh, if an animal is presented with food that is just getting in a pile every day it's not necessarily looking for hidden food because mm -hmm. that's never been a reality for it so getting them in that mindset of okay uh, the keeper enters the exhibit i know they put food out but you know where's that where's that food you yeah. like i feel like that is an extra step that isn't really you know i talk about this with like contra freeloading and stuff but in just in general this should be that's going to be your main enrichment opportunity is food-based enrichment for a lot of these animals that don't interact with everything because you you know they're eating you yeah. know so that's your sort of entry level well, that's, point that's your previously existing enrichment it's yeah absolutely so getting them in the sort of uh, uh you know some animals that you do contra freeloading with uh in particular where you're getting to that you know they're not getting any free food they're working for all their food it, you know i've worked with some where you you walk in their their exhibit for no reason you know you, oh oh i forgot this in the exhibit or oh i'm just gonna check this this the bolts over here mm -hmm. you walk in and you leave and then you look at the animal and they're like looking all over the exhibit for food yeah. that you that because they're they're like oh he was the trigger here. is he was I in know, here it has to i be. know there's got to be food in here you know, yeah. so, so eliciting that response to start and to really like, you know, it, it's the same when you, when you're training an animal, like everybody, everybody knows these things with training, but it doesn't really translate over to enrichment a lot of the time for okay. whatever reason. Like you, if an animal's well, not understanding a behavior, response. if, yeah, if they're not understanding the behavior, you take a step back and you, you break that. Like if they're not raising their paw, then you just get them to put the paw off the ground. You know, like you, you break and it down for the second thing. And it's... So, so yeah, breaking it down more and more and more and more until they start to engage and then slowly and slowly increasing well, the difficulty. In, yeah. In terms of this baseline strategy, when you're talking about this here, like it's important also to understand your role in that baseline. Like how are your interactions determining behaviors that you're having in the day? So we're talking about birds of prey here. If you only ever go in that exhibit, because they're flighty or something or like you're not taking them out for a, a show or like whatever's going on in that bird's life if, if those interactions are purely food motivated you are now a trigger for an enriching opportunity for them and you can start playing with those those variables they're in your control mm. you go i bring food in i am a thing that is enriching to them because they're, they're i'm a trigger now so i'm able to start playing with that okay well yeah. maybe 
I go in three times a day now, and only one of those times I actually put food down. So they're constantly scavenging now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But I've changed my routine to be enriching to that animal. Yeah, yeah. So I really think you know uh, establishing a baseline and baby steps, really breaking it down, uh, is going to be your best sort of entry level to get some of these animals that historically haven't been engaged with enrichment to really start to. Uh, become engaged uh, with enrichment. So, um, yeah, that's just about uh, our time for Holy uh, cow. episode number 17. Uh, if you would like to ask a question or uh, have any topics that you'd like to suggest or anything for uh, Ben and I, uh, we're wild en- at Wild Enrichment at, um, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can go on wildenrichment.com. There's a contact us page there. It's uh, Kyle at wildenrichment.com uh, is the email there. Um, if you would like to address Ben specifically, you can do that uh, from any of those platforms hey. as well, and I'll be sure to forward it on to him. I so, always appreciate fan mail. Absolutely. Or, Who doesn't? You know, so, uh, <laughs> or harangue. <laughs> if you have anything, uh, any problems or anything like that that you'd like to talk about with enrichment, uh, definitely feel free to Uh, reach out to us so uh, thank you again for listening and we will see you again next time and if you have any uh, ideas for what we should talk about next feel free to reach out please absolutely we are always looking for fun things to talk (laughs) about absolutely all right until next time guys Wild Enrichment is independently owned and claims no affiliation to any zoo aquarium or other animal care institutions All of the information and opinions communicated through this podcast, wildenrichment.com, and affiliated social media accounts are based on my own opinions and experiences and are not in any way reflective of the opinions of my employers past or present. Thank you.